And good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. This is Harrison Smith with yet another episode of Cinema, brought to you by Dark Matter TV. Dark Matter TV is a streaming platform where you can find not just current genre entertainment and horror, sci-fi, thriller, and action, but also classic content that takes you back to the great old days of late night cable and finding those cult and classic films that they just don't make anymore. Available for download on Android or Apple, or visit darkmattertv.com. It's free, it's fun, and it's gonna grow. The best revenge is revenge. I mean, come on. She cheated on you first, right? So I have to cheat on her? You know what she's gonna think if you don't? No. Why? She's gonna mistake kindness for weakness, all right? You'll be sending the wrong message. That's all right to fuck around without consequences. This will even the score. A healthy relationship is an equal relationship. That's from the opening scene of my new upcoming horror film, The Special, which will be releasing on streaming October 13th and eventually DVD on November 10th. It is getting an international release, including a UK run. So we're excited and more details on the UK bit coming right up. I wanted to dedicate this episode today to The Special, not only for shameless self-promotion, but also for the fact that it's one of my more recent horror films that's about to drop. And there was a conscious effort in making this movie to make sure that uh, I, I take my own medicine and I, I follow my, my own words, and that is to avoid cinema. So I want to give you a little bit about this film, why you should see it, and most of all, why I feel we avoided cinema. And before I get into the content of the film, and, and a lot has been written about it, and it's premiered at, at a number of festivals, and it's done very well, and the advanced buzz and the advanced reviews uh, from some early sneak peek reviewers, have it's all been stellar. So I, I can't complain about that. But for those of you that are out there making movies, that's what cinema, this podcast, is all about. It's, it's for you when you're assembling your crews, when you're looking for that subject, that, that script, that project to turn into a film or a short, whatever it's going to be, just how do you choose it? And most of all, who do you choose to surround yourself with? And I think that's the most important takeaway from today's podcast. Look, I've said in previous episodes that uh, I started learning about the film industry by reading Fangoria magazine, and that is true. Uh, there just wasn't a lot of information out there on filmmaking, so you took what you could. And Fangoria and Starlog, aside from getting you know some books on the making of this, but that kind of stuff just wasn't popular at the time, and it didn't have a market. So I would read Fangoria mostly because they would interview John Carpenter and George Romero and Alan Ormsby and, and all these greats, Frank Henenlotter. I mean, I, I had said previously, one time I actually got the gumption to track down Frank Henenlotter in the New York directory, 5551212, and I looked him up. And I got a hold of him. I actually called him at home to talk about Frankenhooker and Basket Case and, and how he did these things. I was a kid. I think I might have been 13, 14 years old when I did that. But I wanted to know more. And there just wasn't a lot out there. Now you just simply click and you can get DVD extras already digitized on YouTube. You have instant access to so much incredible filmmaking information. But not in 1979 and the early 80s, it just didn't exist. 
We're here for the special. What of you? Oh, no, just my buddy here. After the script for the special by Mark Steensland and James Newman, and, and it's based on their novella, uh, you can also read this special if you'd like. Uh, just simply look it up. You can you can buy it on Amazon. Uh, it's out there everywhere. Just look up Mark Steensland and James Newman. I'll also provide the links in my show notes where you can get the novella, how you can pre-order the special. There you go again, my shameless marketing plug. Once you've decided on a script, well, you got to assemble a crew to bring it to life. And that's where the magic happened. And, and again, I believe in happy accidents. So I was introduced uh, to two filmmakers. A friend of mine said, oh, you live here. Well, there are these guys in the next town over that are really doing some good stuff. You should look them up. Now, I'm going to be really cynical here. And some of you are guilty of doing the same thing. And, and what, what I did was, is I kind of uh, took that thing like, oh, yeah, 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 I'll do that. I mean, how could anybody be possibly doing anything significant in this area? It's a small area. This isn't L.A. This isn't New York. It's not even Philadelphia. How could anybody be doing anything of substantial work in this local area, you know, besides me? And that's when I thought about, it. I'm like, who the hell am I? I'm already being judgmental. What if somebody said that shit about me? So I followed through. I called their number and dropped them an email simultaneously. And they wrote back and they said, yeah, it's really good to hear from you. We know Claudia. Here are our links. Take a look. So I did. I clicked on their links and I was blown away. I did it once. Once is enough. Why? Is this some kind of rule or something? Talk to Sid. She knows. Once is enough. The two guys I'm referring to are Doug Henderson and Matt Neese of Bold Creative Media and now of their film production company, Everything's Fire. These were two guys working in an office studio over in a small town in Pennsylvania across the bridge. And these guys were making the most incredible stuff. Not only are they making commercial video to pay the bills, but they were doing creative things. One of them was uh, like a 24-hour film festival where you have 24 hours to put together a a small short. And the quality of what they were doing, uh, you know, the production value, one of them was a period piece, for God's sake, on no money. The lighting, the sound, the production value in the way of dolly tracks and I, I just couldn't believe the camera work. The, everything just, I was blown away. How could anybody this good be living this close to me? And you see right there, that's cinema in part because cynicism is already tainting your perceptions and possibly stopping you from doing a better job. So we connected. We got together for a brief coffee. Uh, we talked about our goals, what we wanted to do. And I said I had the special. I had I was getting the rights to this movie. Uh, I had agreed to do it. And would they be interested? So they said, yeah, send us the script. So I sent over Steensland and Newman's script. And they read it and they came back and they were, you know, a little taken by it at first. They were like, you know, this is a, a little fucked up. We, we weren't really expecting uh, this kind of movie. 
And I said, well, it's it's interesting, don't you think? I said, it has a real creep show, Tales from the Dark Side feel. And, and it eventually becomes, you know, it touches into monster movie territory. And I am a sucker for monster movies. Well, they got excited about it as well. And of course, the only thing was finding the money. Now, an investor from Florida did step forward and said, okay, we're going to give you this money. Now, here's the catch, folks. It wasn't a lot of money. And the big thing is, I'm known now, I have a brand, and my reputation is for making good stuff. You may not like my stuff. That's okay. I've discussed this in many episodes before. However, I make good stuff. High production value, beautiful looking pictures, great top-end production sound, special effects across the board. So say what you will about Death House or Camp Dread or whatever, they don't look and sound bad. You're the new guest here? Yeah, I am. Why? Do you want the room clean? No, no, I don't need anything. Don't worry about it. Don't change the towels. Don't change the bed. Just don't come in here for any but reason. the floor okay. and the bathroom? No, no, nothing. Nada. Okay, just stay out of the room, okay? All right? Okay. I'll stay out while you're there. You don't go in there for any reason. Not when I'm here, not when I'm not here. Oh. What the fuck is so hard about that? Okay. Okay, I'll stay out. That a girl. Fuck. Matt Neese is a gifted cinematographer, and in my opinion, his talents were being wasted on commercial videos and, and these small 24-hour festival type of shorts. So I sat down with Matt and I said, look, I want this to have a kind of Cronenberg uh, feel. I, I want that, it's body horror, so I want that kind of creepiness, and, but yet I want pastel colors, kind of like uh, Drive. I want that kind of color scheme, and I'm asking a lot here for the budget that we had. And Matt never once said, oh, Harrison, we can't do that. Matt, Matt is very quiet and very Vulcan-like. He reminds me a lot of Mr. Spock in which he's just, okay, let's look at that and let me see what I can do. Matt never says, we can't do that. Now, I fully expect someday he will. However, on these films right now, it was always about, let's try that. A real can-do attitude. And Doug came on board not only as a top-end producer who assembled the entire crew and would supervise and assemble the entire post-production along with Matt, and both would put on their editing caps and sit down and edit the motion picture, but Doug assembled a top-notch crew. I assembled a lookbook, and I gave Matt ideas, and I wanted to have the feel of this. And one of the big things that came out of it was I wanted a film noir feel. And that also goes for our score and composer, John Avarice. Because I went to John and I said, look, when Jerry enters the room, he expects to find a prostitute. And when he finds what he finds, that is our femme fatale, the box, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. You've already seen the preview. And if you haven't, check my show notes. It's dick in a box. The box is sitting on this table and Jerry looks at it. And if you listen to the music, there's this sultry kind of lounge singer, film noirish 1940s torch kind of feel to it. She is a siren. The box is calling to him.
In addition to that, I wanted uh, the, the look of the room to have, yes, instead of a red light, the traditional hooker red light kind of thing, I wanted something different. And Matt came up with this beautiful palette of, of pastel blues and, and magentas. And, and, and it was just incredible. When I saw it all lit up, I was like, this is the room? And he's like, yeah, what do you think? I loved it. And it looked even better on monitor. We had our makeup effects done by two different people. The puppetry was done by Mark, Monster Mark, Kosabucky, who lives in Erie, PA. So I'm going to give a plug for Mark right now. You're out there making a horror film and you need some quick and top-end practical effects. Mark is your guy. And I will give you a link to his social media in the show notes. Not only is he nice... He is a hell of an artist. And on top of it, if you're looking for poster work or any type of drawing or sketching, Mark is your man. Monster Mark Casabucky. And the other practical effects, the trauma effects and transformation effects, were done by Roy Kinnearum of Soda Effects, whom I've been working with since Death House and even Camp Dread. So you've assembled this great crew. Now you've got to put together your actors. And that's because of Felissa Rose. Felissa is horror's first lady. And she pretty much knows everyone. And I love to say she knows where all the bodies are buried. And it was Felissa who said, I think you should look at Dave Sheridan and Sarah French. I think these two would be great. Now, we only had so much money in the budget That meant we had to fly them in. And not only do you have to fly them in, you got to put them up. And then you got to feed them. It would have been easier to just find two local actors. Now, one of the problems was, is that Sarah's character, Lisa, in the film, has some considerable nudity. There were several actresses that came to auditions that loved the role, but they wouldn't do the nudity. Now, before it sounds like, well, we only chose Sarah because she would get naked. No, you need somebody who can act as well, too, because the wife is a completely sympathetic character. I'm pregnant, Jerry. Are you serious? I thought, I thought my... Your swimmer swim. You sure it's mine? <laughs> no, I'm just... I'm not feeling really well, and I mean, I mean I'm, I'm just shocked. I mean, this is... This is big news. Right? If she does not come across as sympathetic, everything is lost. The whole point of the movie is to feel bad for Sarah's character. And I'm telling you, when you see her walking into that hotel room at the very end and the look of hurt and even fear on her face, she sells the whole thing all day long. And Dave Sheridan, he had to be the wise-ass, troublemaking, best friend, co-worker kind of guy who eventually, Davey Raffaele's uh, Jerry says, This is all your fault. I listen to you. Davey has been working with me since Six Degrees of Hell. And he was Vinny in Camp Dread. And I brought him back in Zombie Killers, which you can see this Halloween on Hulu. Another shameless plug. 
and he's been with me whenever he can. I even have Davey make a one-day cameo in my new film that'll be coming uh, called Where the Scary Things Are. So it's just good. Like I said, I learned this from Fangoria. And that is what John Carpenter said in an interview one time. You find great people and you hang on to them for life. And that means both in front and behind the camera. And that's what I have done. I welcome you. Go look at my IMDb. Look at the individual film listings. You will see many of the same names, both in front and behind the camera, coming back again and again. Now, you can't use everybody all the time. Some people have different commitments and and projects just take on a life of their own and other people move on. That's the way life goes. But once you find a central core and you keep finding these central cores because you will always find new people like Doug and Matt, then again, you hang on to them for life. We shot the special in 19 days. We started on perhaps what was one of the coldest days of the year in January, and we shot in the doctor's office, and we went through from there. Our DP was out shooting in weather at times seven to eight degrees below zero. At one point, the red cameras froze up, and yet he pursued. He persevered. Matt was a beast to get the footage because we knew we only had so much time. So you're married? Yes. You and your wife having more sex than usual? No, I'm less than usual, actually. Ow. Sorry. You having sex with anyone other than your wife? No. You sure? Unless I'm sleep fucking no. Oh, fuck. Look, I can't help if you're not all. I'm not having sex with anyone else. No. So you're masturbating more than usual? Unless I'm using a cheese grater. I mean, I mean, look at this. I think it's spreading. I mean, it comes and goes. I mean, it's all in my fucking dick, man. I mean, what is this? Another key component is sound. We could have gone with really cheap sound. We could have done local. Instead, our sound designer and composer, John Avarice, recommended Christian Kirscher. And it was the first time I've ever worked with this sound guy. And he was terrific. Not only easy to work with, but knows his stuff and makes your life so much easier in post-production. Those of you who are filmmakers, you know what I'm talking about. There is nothing worse than sitting down and getting all that sound synced to picture and you find out that that sound is garbage. Because look, you have no choice other than to go back and do that sound again or foley everything. One of the best things, and this is a great story about being on set, was I was concerned in making the special that aside from the special effects, the practical effects, which by the way, all the effects in the film are practical. CGI was only used to clean up certain things or erase some things from the frame of the picture. That's it. All the effects you see are 100% practical effects. There was a moment halfway through the movie where while we were shooting it, where I was worried that maybe I didn't make it gross or scary enough. And I sat down with Doug and Matt during a break in shooting in the morning and I, I gave them my concerns. I was going over the dailies, I was looking at the script, and I thought, have we not gone horrific enough? 
And the idea that I had, see, I don't want to give it away. Number one, we didn't want to turn the movie into a slasher film. That's not what the writers intended. This is a slow burn, creepy, and eventually very disgusting horror film. And it's all built around sex. This is not a slasher movie. So we wanted to stay away from slasher territory. So that part was easy. But when it came to the gross out stuff, did we go far enough? Now, the people that have seen it have said, holy shit, what an ending. Everything is great. And I, what I love hearing is very Cronenberg, Harrison. This is a very Cronenberg, the fly kind of film. Music to my ears. That's exactly what we went for. With the effects, we went for The Thing and The Fly and Cronenberg. Can't emphasize that enough. But it was Doug and Matt who came back and said, listen, you can sometimes tip the scale a little too far. We'll shoot what you want to shoot. And I went to the actors and I asked them their opinions. And both of them said, if, if that's what you want to do, then we'll do it. But maybe this was filing under just because you can doesn't mean you should. So I thought about it and I backed off. And now I am so glad I did. While we were shooting Death House, for example, we went over the top in one scene that the MPAA said, there is no way you can keep this uh, brief scene. I think it might've been a total of 30 seconds. And I'll provide the link to the deleted scenes in Death House in these show notes. But it was a scene where an inmate is getting oral sex from a severed head with the spinal column like flapping from beneath the ripped neck. And it's a really bizarre scene. And I wanted to evoke John Carpenter's Escape from New York where Snake Plissken was walking below the uh, theater, if you remember, and he's looking for the president and he's seeing all these awful things going on in each of these rooms that were firelit. One of them I remember was the most disturbing was it looked like this girl was either dead or OD'd and, and kind of like uh, passed out or comatose, but these guys were in the process of raping her. It was very brutal and, and still sticks with me, that image. And I think if you've seen the film, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So we were looking to do something like that in Death House, and we I emulated that with the actors Cody Longo, Dee Wallace, and Courtney Palm walking by each of these rooms, getting this awful show in each one of these rooms. And I found out very quickly that uh, sex with a corpse is really frowned upon in horror. Now, I don't know why some get away with it. I think because obviously they're bigger name directors and budgets and, and studios that go to bat and fight for it. But in the case of Death House... They declined that scene and it ended up on the cutting room floor, which I wish it did not, but it did. I wanted to do something similar in this special and, and it was, you know, definitely going into that necrophilia, that, that whole area. And it was Doug and Matt who said, look, man, we'll shoot it, but I don't think you need it. And you need to kind of trust in yourself as a director here and see that we've got something really classy and taken the high road while delivering the scares and the yuck moments. And they were right. I listened to them. We never ended up shooting the scene, and uh, but it was always in my idea. And once the film comes out, I, I'll gladly take questions online of exactly what the scene was. But I can tell you that the scene would have followed uh, the, the bathroom shower scene in the hotel. I think that's the best way to describe where that scene would have gone. And uh, we moved on from it. In the end, we ended up with a terrific motion picture. And we avoided cinema. We worked together. 
and we worked to make sure that we made the best possible movie we could with the budget we had. And ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly what John Carpenter did with Halloween. And that's why I have such a problem with the 1981 Halloween 2. Look, I've lost followers over my opinion on Halloween 2. There's one guy that was just so upset that I did not approve of Halloween 2. I I guess he's going to have to not like John Carpenter as well because John Carpenter doesn't care for Halloween 2 and disavowed the film as well. But my opinion of Halloween 2 was it was a retread. They, They just knew they had a hit. They can make whatever they wanted. They provided a lot of the gross effects that they avoided in the first film. And they just kind of walked through it. It was cinema. I think Halloween 2 is absolute cinema and unnecessary. But Halloween, the 1978 original, that's a whole different story. Because they had a limited budget and they worked within the parameters of that budget to deliver the best scares and the best possible film that they could. That is not cinema. Halloween 1981, Halloween 2, is cinema. And we wanted to avoid that with the special. And I'm happy to say that we did. The advanced reviews are terrific. The film releases October 13th on all streaming platforms in VOD. It will then hit DVD November 10th. I'll also be giving away signed copies and some great contests and giveaways I will be giving away some signed copies of the special DVD. I couldn't have done this movie without the incredible support and the talent and the gifts of a truly wonderful crew headlined by Doug Henderson and Matt Neese. If you're a filmmaker out there and you want your $100,000, $200,000, or $50,000 movie to look like $3 million, contact these guys at Everything's Fire and Bold Creative Media. I have now done two feature films with Matt and Doug, and I'm looking forward to a third, fourth, and fifth. As John Carpenter said, you find great people and you hang on to them for life. And that is not cinema. Since when do you think you could just walk into my house? Hey, I'm just here to help you, man. Help? (laughs) I mean, it's a little late for that. Listen, isn't it? Head on over to Apple Podcasts and give a rating and review. Cinema is also available on YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Play Music and more. Check out my cinema blog on horrorfuel.net and download Dark Matter TV for your Apple or Android devices.